Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 47. We've talked about networking in the past and expanding your inner circle, but a key part of that is what happens after you've met somebody new. So today we're going to talk about building relationships in three different areas around clients, sponsors, and peers. These can be some of the most fruitful relationships to grow yourself and your business. John and I are both firm believers in you are a product of your environment. So a lot of that comes from who you surround yourself with. So we're going to be hitting on that today. But before we get into it, we do want to thank some of our new members that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week. We had Bryant Fender, Brody Bricky, Make Fail Repeat, Andrew Brousseau, and Brad Hubbard. Brad Hubbard, our first top-tier patron going some one-on-one coaching. We are super stoked. Brad's been a patron for a long time, over eight months now, and we want to give a special shout-out to him. Thank you so much, Brad. Now, if you guys want to support the show and get some awesome rewards, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit and get the after show and some other rewards going all the way up to that top tier we just talked about, which is one-on-one coaching. John, what is up, dude? Well, real quick, just want to make sure we announce one more time before the week of that we are having that Nashville meetup next week, uh, Tuesday, June 5th at the Goodwood Nashville's new showroom. If you're looking for the details, make sure you're following us on Instagram. It's all on there as well as in the show notes of this show. Um, But getting back to it, uh, you know, for me, what's going on is basically a lot of what seems like nothing. (laughs) Um, When this releases, I'll be coming back from a show in Cleveland I'm doing with Woodcraft. Um, I'm going to actually I'm actually super excited. I'll be getting to meet Jory Bigham, who's been a big inspiration of mine. And I know the whole community for a long time, um, which is awesome. And then I'll mostly just be sleeping off the hangover for my 30th birthday, um, which will be the Saturday right before the show airs. So uh, yeah, 30. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm ending my 20s um, on a hot streak. Uh, you know, talking about relationship building on made for profit. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I remember my thirties. Those, those were, those, those were. Good. I like it. It's like I'm, I'm out. I'm like thirties. I'm out. John's like, I'm in. We're a tag team. And like, yeah. okay, I just cleared out of the thirties. Welcome, John, to the thirties. So awesome, dude. Um, yeah, on my side, man, we are in full summer mode. So uh, kids. Last day of school was last week, uh, and I don't believe I've I've mentioned this on the show. So I know I, I put it on my Instagram, but uh, my wife is a, a teacher, so she also just finished up. And uh, today actually is is her first day off. Yesterday was the graduation for her high school, so today's her first day off. And when I say off, I mean off forever. Uh, she is actually coming on board with fix this, build that. Man, it, I am super stoked about it. Um, this has been a dream of ours for quite a while, ever since we kind of started doing it. And uh, as you guys know the story, I, ha- I was working full time. She was a stay-at-home mom, and we kind of did the tag team thing. And she went full time for the benefits and everything. And uh, we're at the point where we're both going all in, and she is joining the team. So as a family, we're going to be doing the, the Fix This, Build That uh, 
business and I'm super stoked about it, man. Yeah, that's amazing. Congratulations on that. Um, I, I wasn't I wasn't aware that the kids were already done with school, which is amazing how how much time flies. I mean, we've got <laughs> we've got episode 50 coming in hot, a one year anniversary. <laughs> you know, I'm turning 30. Susan's like, you're coming job. to Nashville. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> we we uh, lots and lots of stuff going on with MFP. So we're super stoked about that. But uh, it was great to hear last week how much uh, Jen Woodhouse puts into building relationships with her sponsors. And we wanted to make sure that uh, what we wanted to do was, uh, sorry, two weeks ago, and we, what we wanted to do was talk a little bit more about that and about building relationships because we have hit on networking, uh, but that was more of meeting people and how to get to know people. And and we, as we heard Jen talk about it, a lot of it is the value you can add into those relationships. And uh, that looks differently depending upon who you're working with. So we want to jump in that, and especially for our product folks, really dive a little bit deeper into clients. Uh, so, John, why don't you start us off with that? Because you obviously have a lot of experience working with clients and, uh, you know, how do you build those relationships and make those into something where it's a repeating customer? Yeah, working with a client um, is like a double edged sword. It has its uh, has its benefits um, and it, it also has a lot of um, a lot of things that can be a drag or be quote unquote, a downside. I mean, what you need to realize is that when you are providing a service or a product to a client, especially a high end client, is that um, nothing is a burden to you. Like you, you, you have to get yourself in the mindset that the client, even though I'm not an advocate of this, the client is always right in certain situations. Um, and that being, you know, if someone's paying you, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for custom work, you better be ready to you know, drop everything when they need something from you, because that's the kind of the expectation that's set there based on that um, dollar value. But um, but with that, you know, even those type of clients, I always go in with the mindset of, um, you know, how can I constantly be adding value to this relationship or to this individual who's paying me or who could potentially be paying me? Um, and with that is kind of why I led with the not being a burden aspect is because, one thing that um, I tend to lean on in in the relationships I have with my my clients is is I uh, I make them feel like they're part of the process. I make them feel like that they're part of um, what I'm doing behind the scenes and what they don't see. And so in that, I'm I'm constantly trying to uh, make sure that they understand where things are, where they're going, um, whether that be you know uh, sharing color samples, progress shots, um, tagging them in photos, or just sending over photographs as, while things are happening. Uh, making sure that they feel included, so that it's not just this you know blank uh, blank wall, and then all of a sudden, boom! I show up with this uh, finished piece, and they're just supposed to like it. Um, right, but that, and, and that one, John, like I, I think that honestly, because we've we've actually had a recent conversation about this. Like to me, that uh, it, it almost goes back also to the follow up, right? Mm -hmm. Because that I think has got to be one of the most important things is um, is the constant communication, and that goes that'll go across the board for for all these. But I, I mean, I, I don't, I just kind of really want to hammer on that because I think that there's so much that can get lost in communication if you stop if you start a project at the beginning and then yeah, especially for like a build if you're doing the build and there's some segue in between and even just yourself. Like I know in, in your own shop with employees and stuff, even if you're building, like just keeping that constant communication of what are we going to do here? You know, because there, there's, there's so many decision points along the way that a lot of them are kind of autopilot. But then at the same point, if you take every, take something for granted, then you might be eating it later. Like I know you've talked about your, uh, you know, the, what was it? The ebony, not the ebony, the Wengi. The wangy, the wangy, <laughs> the wangy piece you did. 
right, is a great example of that. And that, so I just kind of wanted to just hammer down on that because I think that is a super important part of the client relationship is that constant contact and communication. Yeah, the, the communication channel is something that uh, you have to be willing to open, but you have to make sure it's on your terms. And I'm, we wanted to lead with this because this is a very slippery slope. Um, once you open the floodgates, say to uh, text message communication with a client, the client now feels no matter what time of day that your relationship has moved <laughs> into the, the area of which they can call or text you at any time. Um, and this happens to me all the time. I mean, my, my girlfriend's a lawyer and it happens to her all the time. Um, and, and it's just something that you have to be cognizant of as you try to provide value for your clients. If you want to give them your number in order to call or text you, just make sure that you lay out, um, you know, hey, I don't mind answering calls or texts. It's actually easier for me, but uh, just, you know, try to do it within business hours. Um, I have a client, you know, texted me at 10 o'clock last night and I, re- <laughs> I didn't even realize it, but I responded to her at 645 this morning. <laughs> and, uh, and we probably could do a better job there. Um, fortunately, I've known her for 15 years. Uh, and so like where there's more of a friendship there than client, um, client buyer type relationship. But, um, in that, you know, you, you want to make sure that you draw a clear line and just because you're providing value, don't be taken advantage of by the client because that they think that they own you at this point. Um, this has happened to me in the past. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I gave, uh, a client, my phone number, um, I was doing a lot more on their terms than I was on my own terms. Um, and that stuff being, you know, they needed something. I was dropping whatever else I was doing and doing it for them. And it was a very large job. Um, but what I realized in that is that because I'm trying to do so much for every single client that I have, um, you need to have a system for it and you need to have a process right. in place and you can't just let it rule your life. Um, the communication channel is an easy way to add value to a client, you know, by giving them uh, personal contact information and letting them reach out to you. But it's not always the best is my thing. Um, and and it's a, it is a great way in order to build a rapport with your client if you're doing a lar- high end job. But it's also a great way to be taken advantage of. Um, and, you know, for instance, for myself, uh, a client whom I was doing custom uh, custom cabinetry work. Uh, you know, we would talk about the design aesthetic of the room and I'd give my insight and input on certain things. And one thing turns into another and she's calling me for consulting on the tiling and the grout and the floor and the countertop and the head and the, you know, <laughs> the range hood and all this stuff. And I'm like, and I'm, and I'm willing to give her that information um, in my opinion. But then what you realize is that she's paying a designer, not paying you for it. Um, you're giving her all this great input and you're helping her to make you know, purchase decisions. And on top of it, she's calling you at any time of the day, you know, during a Steeler game on a Sunday and whatever. And it's just, Do not call during a Steeler game ever. Right. And it's just taking away from your quality of life and it's not how you wanted things to go. So um, yeah. my advice would be add as much value as you can as far as the field of communication goes, but make sure you draw the line. If you keep it to email, Answer the emails on your term. All of us feel this need to drop everything we're doing and answer every single email immediately as it comes in. But what that does is it distracts you from what you're doing in the moment, one. And two, it puts the mindset of the client that no matter what time of day or what I'm doing, you know, John is going to be there and be answering me. Um, and that is a good thing. But it's also can bite you on the back end. Um, when they take advantage of it. And I hate to put things in a negative light there, but it does happen. Um, So just be cognizant of it. You know, if a client emails me later in the day and I'm in the middle of something and I don't get back to them, I don't answer them until the next day. And most people understand that 
normal business hours are nine to five. Um, and they get that. And you have to make the assumption that it's not an, oh my God, oh my gosh moment. I don't have to drop everything. The world's not collapsing because their Keller swatch isn't on their porch today. You know, this person's coffee table uh, it, it isn't going to end their world. Um, so yeah, I would make sure that you're drawing clear lines when it comes to adding value in the communication channel because you can be taken advantage of there easily. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and we've both been there, right, Brad? I mean, like, think of <laughs> think of it on the other end, like a, a plumber or a friend of yours or an electrician or someone who's giving you their number and they're like, yeah, anytime you need anything, hit me up and you start hitting them up and then they start ignoring you and you're like, what the what's yeah. going on? <laughs> you know, we've all done it and you got to think of things in that similar way. Well, you know, and I don't know, I just, as, as we've, been using these new tools and things for the business and uh, for our own businesses. Uh, it's it's interesting to think about the communication channels in uh, you know now the the day that we're in and all the different options that are out there. The first thing that came to my mind was you know do you set up like a, a Slack with a customer and a Slack is is basically just a uh, it's an online tool where you can get in there and drop in comments and pictures. Uh, and it, it's basically like a chat room, if you will. Uh, and that it's interesting. I think there's a lot of different ways. I think people could go out and look at the resources. So pulling that away from, you know, the text and the call and the email and putting that into an online. And then, but I think the key there would be to setting expectations. And so I think there could be some real value in setting that up with your client and saying, I'm going to give you an update, depending upon how big the project is. I'm going to give you an update at the end of every day, at the end of every week, at the end of every three day, you know, whatever that makes sense for your project. And maybe at the end of the whatever that cadence is, you snap a few pictures. Here's where we're at on the process. It's going great. You know, and then you can drop in any comments like to me that, you know, there seems like some value. And then that can go direct to the email and what that also would do. And again, I've not done this. I'm just thinking about how you could apply this. But what that could do is all of a sudden. I mean, that is a detailed record. You're not going through and having to string together all these emails like it's all there in that one resource so that you could both go back. And at the beginning of it, you could even lay out the running rules, the design concept. So if there's any questions, you're not sorting through emails and trying to listen to the voicemail. Like, I think there could be some real value in that and trying to use an online resource to really aggregate all that and use that as a medium of communication uh, with a client. So. Yeah, I, I mean, don't do it, but I somebody do it and tell me how it works. <laughs> yeah, the, the the hardest part with that is getting the client to adapt to the platform or download an sure. app or something like that. You know, I've used um, we use Slack. A lot of us, uh, a lot of businesses use Slack to communicate, um, keep those clear channels open. Uh, but uh, Evernote's another great tool that I know a lot of people use. I've tried that before in the past with clients um, and it's worked well. Um, you know, I create shared boards with some clients on Pinterest and such to swap photos and and things like there is ways to do it um, to keep things organized. But, yeah, I mean, I would definitely give it a try because if you don't have a system in place right now, you definitely want to develop one. Um, I, I tend I like to use email and I keep everything in a thread unless it's pertaining to something specific like, you know, and then I'll title it the correct the way I want it to be. So when I search it and look for it. So. Uh, whatever works for you, but yeah, definitely you want to keep that. Um, you you want to you want to keep the expectations in your favor as far as the communication channel goes. Now, there's also tons of other ways to add value to the client relationship instead of just you know opening the floodgates for them to call you at midnight when they are retiling their bathroom and want a tip on you know how to cut a corner in. Um, 
And and one of those things that I'm a big fan of are uh, is like the the gift uh, small gifts. It's kind of like Gary V's thank you economy concept. Um, there's a ton of value you can give to a client by adding small little remarks and regards to your relationship with them. Um, when it comes to your craft or trade, you know uh, everything from coasters to cutting boards to uh, boxes or you know little. Uh, I guess little items that just keep you at top of mind and keep that client thinking of you in a favorable manner on a daily basis. Um, you could have 100% go that route and give out little things that uh, are going to keep you in their, in their thoughts as well as um, being seen by more people possibly. I think we've talked about this in the past with, you know, little things for the office um, and, 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 small gestures that aren't probably not seen where the finished piece of furniture might go or whatever item you're doing for them, but something that they can see on a daily basis. Um, those go miles when it comes to any type of client relationship, especially if they're doing, you know, thousands of dollars in orders from you. Um, least you can do is something small for them, uh, and make it, make it custom for, you know, that, that custom for them in, in that regards. Uh, I've seen a lot of benefit from doing stuff like that. Yeah, and I know we we have talked about this a bit in the past as far as, you know, the people who just do this so well are realtors. And, uh, you know, a little bit, realtor always wants to be top of mind. Mm -hmm. And so they send out, you know, I get them every single year is like the magnetic football schedule. You know, it's got it's got the Titans, the Vols, and like Vandy, yep. you know, on there. So they're, they're just trying to like cover the bases for Tennessee uh, football and – uh, you know, then it's, it's got the full schedule on there. And then at the very end, it's got the, the person's name. And I'm such a such a, a jerk. I just go in. I just cut their picture off and leave it up there because I'm like, I don't want to see your face. Like, I'm not selling my house. <laughs> I don't need to see. I don't need to see John's realtor every day. Uh, so, yeah, that can't backfire on you. But, yeah, what are those things? And, you know, so pins like giving people pins that have your logo and name on them. Like people are going to use those. I mean, those it's a consumable product, but still I think there's an idea and it's a little bit different. I mean, obviously with, uh, you know, furniture making and client work, you're not going to be getting somebody new business. Typically, you know, you're not getting it every three to six to months, every three, six, 12 months, whatever. Uh, it might be a little bit more spaced out, but I think there is absolutely the value. Um, and I know that we've obviously talked a lot about the cutting board and the kind of the cutting board being your, calling card is that's for sure where I think you can add a little bit of value and do some little things just to, to keep your, even your logo visible in somebody's house, whether it's coasters, cutting boards, you know, a sign that you make for them, whatever it is. Like, I think there's a lot of easy wins there. Um, and that's a great use for the, the scrap cutoffs, you know, like we've talked about, it's like have it that's something that's matching from the offcuts of the project you made for them. Yep. And I, um, those things go miles. I'm telling you, if you can, like, uh, I have more people, I think, talk about cutting boards and, and such because they're, you're literally eating off of it. Like they take it to parties and it goes places like it travels with them, you know, little items like that. Um, that can get people talking about you and the project they have at the client when you're not around. And, uh, those things can go miles as far as, um, you know, networking and that relationship building. Um, and you're always going to be, more likely to close a client if they're coming from a favorable referral, which would be that type of person that you gifted something to. Um, the pens are a great idea, Brad. I mean, I get, I, ironically, I get calls from some company like all the time uh, trying to sell me custom pens. Um, but if you can turn <laughs> pens, you know, they're not, they don't take long. I watched Dave Pachuto turn one in like three minutes once, you know, you can hand those out to your clients and um, 
they'll definitely be thinking about you as they use them. And if it's super nice, other people are going to ask like, oh, where'd you get that pen? You know, the guy built my coffee table, you know, he's awesome. Right. Like, oh, I've been in the market for a new credenza, you know, and then that's how the, you can see how those conversations start. Um, so you definitely want to take advantage of that when it comes to building a relationship with a client. Um, do little things that, you know, that, that most people aren't willing to do. And that's, that's, that's the big thing here is that what is your competition doing and how can you beat them? You know, like what, what are you more willing to do and take, make sacrifices on that somebody else isn't? Well, besides the obvious of putting in the long hours and, you know, doing, uh, doing the above and beyond, um, as far as your time goes, you know, do the little things with the individuals who are buying stuff from you and it can go, you know, so far. Um, you know, another thing is handwritten notes. Um, something as small as that, you know, thank you for your business, you know, send a follow up a week later after someone uh, gets your product. And, um, I wish I did stuff like this more because I think it could go much further for me, but uh, a thank you, um, a handwritten thank you. I, I think a lot of people appreciate those, especially people in business, uh, more than we can understand. Uh, they taught us that little hack, I guess, in, in business school, um, <laughs> when you were sending out your resume to employers, you know, write a handmade note, make a note of something you talked about in the conversation and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think that works perfectly for the situation, right? You know, there's, there's yeah. so many, so many little ways like that. You can add value to your relationship with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, so I think those are some great ways about to work with clients. So why don't we move over to, to sponsors? Uh, because I well, think that's, oh, but, go ahead. Well, I think before we do, I want to touch real quick on someone who I think is doing a good job. Cause I always like to do that. And if, yeah. you, if you guys aren't following designs by Donnie on Instagram, make sure you check him out. But the dude puts like a three foot bow on his item when he brings <laughs> it like to the, the new car, the new car bow. Yeah. Like the Christmas Lexus bow that we're all familiar with or Mercedes or whatever it is from the commercials. And like, it is astonishing to me how much my eye is drawn to that when I see it on Instagram. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And then like, oh, and he put all this extra time into wrapping it up like a massive gift, like good for him and good for you, dude. I mean, he does an incredible job. Um, and I think that's a great way. And, and that one other thing that I used to enjoy when I was back watching television <laughs> was um, Chip Foose, the custom car guy. He would he would always sign and give the drawing of a car concept yeah, to yeah. the final car buyer. Um, and, you know, you're not going to have your two hundred thousand dollar custom rebuilt, you know, Mustang in your uh, office every day. But you have that drawing of it. You know, people are going to talk about it. I think a little I think may somehow incorporating for doing hand draw pieces, you know, signing it and giving it to the client in a nice frame could be a really cool way of providing that little bit of extra value. Um, and I don't draw my stuff by hand, but if I did, I would definitely be taking advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just going to start screenshotting my sketch up and like, yeah, put it on them. Yeah. Here you go. There's yeah. a screenshot of my latest project in an MDF frame. Enjoy that. Look at these uh. pocket holes. <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 modeled exact uh, no i do think that is awesome i because i i used to watch the chip food stuff and uh yeah i guess he's just like an amazing artist anyway right so mm -hmm. uh you know having something that is that is special and sets you apart with clients for sure can go the extra mile so looking at at sponsors and again this is where we kind of uh took off from it with our conversation with jen woodhouse a couple of weeks ago uh, but I think the most important thing, so, you know, again, this is the kind of the next step past the networking and building the relationship is once you get into that conversation, uh, you know, the first thing that you really want to be asking a sponsor or, you know, 
maybe direct, uh, but at a minimum asking questions to figure it out uh, is how can I help you win? Because when you're working with a sponsor, it's it's different than working with a client, obviously. So a sponsor, you're giving them something, but they are looking for some type of success. And typically, when you're working with sponsors, you're going to be working with somebody who is, you know, maybe a social media marketing manager, uh, maybe maybe just a, a, a digital media manager uh, or even a, an analyst or something like that. So, you know, you're working with somebody in a corporate structure and they have an assignment, they have a job to do and they're trying to get it done. So what you in, are basically doing, you're in a support role to help this person succeed in their job. Uh, which is which is very different than, you know, building something for a client. So what that looks like is like, OK, they have they have goals and objectives. They are trying to do something. They are trying to highlight a new product. They're trying to get eyeballs. They're trying to get impressions. They're they're trying to go across different social media platforms and they're trying to do it in the most effective and efficient way that they can within a budget. So I think that's where you need to go is because you can't take it for granted what they want uh, and what they're looking for, because sometimes people are looking for conversion, but sometimes people just want to reach as many eyeballs as possible and get more brand awareness. Right. So I think that's really key when you when you start working with a sponsor that is like, hey, you know what? Do you guys have a specific goal? What are you looking for? Because I know I've, I've talked with that sometimes and uh, I've had I've had some sponsors come back and be like, yeah, look, I, we're not looking for brand awareness. Like I want direct conversion. Like that is my number one priority is direct conversion of sales. And it's like, okay, okay. So maybe that's, uh, you know, that's probably a little different. They're probably going to want, uh, and be more open to direct calls to action, right? Because like more of a, of a heavy handed, Hey, here's this product that I used. Uh, here's where you can buy it versus just talking about a new product and be like, Oh, here's all the benefits and features of it and not having a call to action in the end. Right. So you can shape the engagement with them differently. So I think that's the uh, the biggest thing that you can do is uh, having an understanding of how you can help them win. And it could be as easy as that, you know, say, hey, like, what is your number one goal? You know, what's what's the so in back in the business world, right, we used to talk about KPIs, key performance indicators. So like, what's the you know, how do we know when we've won? What does that look like? Is it numbers, and impressions? Is it, is it views on an Instagram post? Uh, is it likes? Is it comments? Is an engagement as it saves and everybody's going to be a little bit different. So you need to ask those questions. Yeah. And I think you um, you lead into it with, you know, their um, I guess their desires first. Um, try to go in there and make sure that they uh, they understand the sponsor that or whomever you're working with that you want to be working with that person not specifically just the brand, for instance, um, because what you're going to run into as you start to work with more sponsors is the fact that you're working with an individual um, and that individual works with the company, like Brad said, um, and then that person's going to have a boss and that boss is going to have a boss most of the time. And sometimes you're going to they're going to have to be reporting. And what you want to do is give them something that nobody else can to go and report, um, give them that little bit of difference that, you know, could set you aside from somebody else. So, you know, for what Brad said, if you understand the brand as you should before you reach out to them or when they reach out to you, do a little research and you see like, oh, you make X product. Like, I understand your competition in the marketplace and blah, blah, blah here and there. You don't have to state this to them. But when you go into the conversation, you know, you lead it towards where you think that they might need help um, if you don't ask. And if you do ask, be ready with a response. Um, so, you know, if, if you they do ask, you know, how can I help you win? And, and as Brad said, they want direct conversion. You know, 
and you immediately are able to respond with, I think my audience would be super appreciative of a discount code. We could run it for 30 days. We could put a cookie, you know, we could do an affiliate, blah, 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 things like that. Um, and you know, having it prepared can go a long way because then that person can go to their boss and say, you know, if we give a discount code and we convert this many, and then this, this turns into this and we're profitable after blah, 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 two transactions, that person's job just became easier because of the work you put in um, for them. And you're not just saying, well, you know, how do you usually do this? I typically find that if, uh, if a brand is new to the working with influencers or new to the space, they're going to say, you know, well, we're, we're new at <laughs> one. And then they're like, you know, how, how does this typically work? You know, have an opportunity ready for how you think you should be working with that brand or what you can bring to the table. Um, you're going to win more, more often than you're not. And understand that that person has to give some sort of measurable data into somebody or whatever's happening in order to uh, show the value physically of what you bring to the table. Like we can all sit here and go, I create brand awareness for so-and-so, but unless you have measurable data, you can't quantify that to higher ups or in a meeting or something like that. I I learned this in the NFL (laughs) um, and that's kind of the concept of the combine. Uh, you know, where they're putting data and metrics on things that really don't matter. Like your 40 time in the NFL doesn't matter. You very rarely run over 40 yards, but they need to put a metric on how fast you are and then be able to compare you to other people and report that to somebody else. If a scout says you're good, they go to their, you know, the the head of scouting and the scouting takes it to that uh, meeting, excuse me, that uh, position coach and position coach takes it to the head coach, head coach takes it to a general manager, manager takes ownership. You can see they have to have data. They can't just take you on your word. Um, and it's the same thing for this. So give that person um, an opportunity to go and win in their circle uh, before you even get there. And that might also be using a media kit, you know, uh, have something prepared yeah. that's data and metrics on how you've performed similarly with similar brands. Um, and you could say, you know, I've worked with so-and-so in the past. We did this much. Um, this is how it worked. I think this could be a great relationship for you going here if you're looking for exposure or, you know, impressions or whatever it might be. Right. I think that having a media kit is uh, is good. We've talked about media kits in the past. And basically what that is, is a typically a one pager uh, that talks about you, who you are, who your audience is and uh, some metrics around what you do. So follower count, you know, maybe impressions, it, it depends and and possibly um, some relationships you've had in the past. So the one thing that I will point out with that is. Uh, I'm a, a big proponent of UPod, under promise over deliver. Oh yeah, and uh, and so if you're going out, I would um, highly advise to I would advise to be very careful with uh, what you want to do is get that one video that you knocked out of the park and say, hey, here's an example of what I did with a brand. Uh, if that's like so, Maleki, you've got you did the uh, river table and you've got over a million views. Like, but you're not going to go to a sponsor. 1.5. One, but holy cow, dude. I mean, it it just doesn't stop. (laughs) It doesn't. That's just fantastic. So 1.5 million views on your river table video. Um, John is not going to go to a sponsor and go, oh yeah, I did a similar project and I got 1.5 million. Like (laughs) that would be a horrible horrible way to go about it because uh, it's probably going to be a minute before John gets another 1.5 million view. So as a point of reference, I have nothing even remotely close to that. Uh, my largest are less than half of that. Uh, and that's after, you know, years and years of, of views on those as well. So, um, 
you know, and a lot of times they're going to look at that anyway. So a sponsor will come in and they'll look at your last X amount of videos and take an average of the first 30 days of views um, is what they'll typically do. Um, what I've seen at least. And so, you know, it, they're going to be making their own judgments on their by themselves. So, you know, coming in with something that is consistent with that is going to be better than like, you know, they come back. So if they looked at John's last 30 days of videos, they'd go, John, you haven't published a video in 30 days. What's going on? No, I'm, I'm just kidding, John. Sorry. Um, I posted last week. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We're in the future now, too. So uh, no, but they're going to go back and and look at John's uh, and look future. at John's stuff. And, um, you know, they're going to say, well, I see that in the first 30 days, you're averaging 30, 40,000 views, whatever it is, uh, not 1.5 million. So, uh, you know, you want to make sure that what you're what you're putting out there is something that you can deliver on, because that's if you if you sell yourself on something you can't deliver, uh, that's going to be a one time engagement. Yes, because you're going to disappoint them. They're going to have expected more. They're going to pay up for what you sold them on. And when you don't deliver, uh, there's going to be that disappointment. So on the backside of that, here's another thing, which is interesting. So when working with sponsors, sometimes, so let's just go back with that. Let's say on average, you get 30,000 views in the first 30 days. Uh, if you put out a video with a sponsor and let's just say it's a one video engagement and you, they've, you know, you've talked about it and you say, you know, on average, it's about 30,000 views. If this thing comes out of the gate and just falls on its face and you've got 10,000 views after 30 days, then uh, you have underdelivered. You have um, overpromised and underdelivered instead of underpromised and overdelivered. And so then I think this is a is a key thing. Is like, well, what can you do? Because um, the beauty of digital media marketing and content it, it's very different than a table. Like if you send somebody a dining room table and they're disappointed with it, you know, it takes a lot. Like you're you're talking about a whole new thing about digital media. It's very easy to give them some extra benefit, give them an extra Instagram post, give them an extra shout out, give them a swipe up in your story, uh, you know, do something, not make a whole new video, but you got this thing of social media, which is so easy to execute on. There are ways that you can help them, um, even to the point, uh, and I've talked about in the past, that if they've paid you enough money and you don't feel like you're giving them the value, you can invest your own money into running an ad are promoting that video on Instagram and are not well on anything on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. Uh, if you were so compelled that you, you know, that's somebody you really wanted to give them the value. Um, you know, that's something that I know people do out there. It's like they've paid for something. They didn't get what I promised them. And so I'm going to try to make amends and, you know, basically promote that and get that in front of more eyeballs through an ad spot. Um, and there, you know, there's nothing backhanded about that at all. Like that's, that's basically what they would have done anyway, but your content didn't get the reach that you thought it would. Um, so there's lots of different ways. And I think you need to look at it and, and clearly have an understanding of what success looks like in their eyes. Because uh, once you know that, then if you get there and you go past it, then that's great. And then, you know, that, that leads to that good relationship. And then you go to the next thing. If you don't get there, uh, don't just throw it away and be like, oh, man, I, I really screwed that one up. Figure out how you boost that up. Figure out how you can make it better. Figure out how you can add value after the fact to them, because that's the beauty of doing sponsored work and, and online marketing is that it's endless. You know, I mean, you could you could say, hey, I'm going to give you 10 more posts over the next month. Right. I, mean, I probably wouldn't go that far, but you could like you can go as far as you want. Yeah. And um, 
what you got to realize is you're also, you're going right back to what we talked about uh, the beginning of the sponsor part is you're making that person's job easier. You know, they're going to be sweating going to their boss saying, oh, I know I told you he gets 30,000 views a month. Uh, he only got 10. Um, you know what? But, you know, they give him the but, uh, you know, he's going to be doing five more Instagram posts. His Instagram has been engaging on blah, 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 blah and whatever. And if you can, uh, you know, create uh, you know, some more value for that sponsor, they're going to be more likely when they're looking at their options down the line to go, you know, hey, maybe he didn't hit a home run with this one, but the dude really put a lot of work in um, in order to try to get there. Um, let's give him another shot. And that's the kind of thing you're looking for there uh, because people will remember that, you know, in the in the numbers game, it might not be the win that you wanted to get. But the people that are actually working for these brands and these companies will remember, you know, hey, you know, John worked his butt off in order to go and, uh, you know, make this happen for us. And it was just, you know, maybe the piece of content just wasn't as good as we thought. Um, right. so, so keep in mind, and you're going to have that too. Exactly. You're always, the, the, you, everybody, everybody takes an L every now and then, right? You put something out, you think it's going to destroy and it just flops. I mean, that, that happens to everybody, yes. even the biggest content creators for sure. And they understand that too. They know not everyone is going to be a home run. So, uh, I think, you know, instead of trying to hide the fact or prop it up and be like, oh, well, yeah, I know it's only 10,000, but, but like I, I would, uh, you know, I would own it. I would be actually in advance of it be like, you know, this one didn't hit like I thought I did. Here's some other ideas I have for future content. Uh, and here's also how, you know, I'm adding value to you before we get there. Yes. And and there's a multitude of ways to do it. As Brad said, there's paid ways to do it. There's free ways to do it. There's literally just hitting the pavement and, you know, uh, putting in a lot of extra work into creating uh, flyers and posts and teasers and all kinds of stuff in order to promote things. Um, and, and think about it if you were a brand that, uh, had a huge budget, you know, where would you be diversifying that stuff out? Um, and that's the kind of ways that you can go and, and, and you can, <laughs> you can muscle, you know, a project to get more views and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and it's just going to take time away from your next project. So you want to make sure that you're considering that as well. Um, you know, the last kind of thing that, that Brad and I want to advocate for working with sponsors is, is building personal relationships. Like don't be afraid to go into your relationships with, um, your sponsors and, uh, and become like, you know, friends. Like uh, I've made a lot of great relationships with the brands that I work with based on friendships before we even got to paying for content and paying for, um, you know, uh, them to, to support my channel and what I'm doing. Um, and that was because I was personally willing to eat it and invested in that brand more at the beginning and the onset, knowing long-term, uh, the benefit that, you know, I liked the people working there. I liked the people I was working with. I had an awesome experience with their product and an awesome experience with their team. Um, and, you know, I was going out on a limb in order to build these relationships. You know, how can I help you? How can you help me? Most people are like more like us than you would think. You know, it could be the CEO of some huge company. They might have a son or a daughter that's um, trying to, uh, you know, develop into a professional athlete. You know, I can relate to that. Or, you know, they want to talk about taking the jump from college to becoming an entrepreneur. Like, you know what? I can relate to that. Or find things like that um, in conversation that you can lead into uh, building a personal relationship. And, and when you might only see that person once a year or talk to them every so often. But when you do, it's, you know, hey, how's your how's your mom? You know, how's your how's your family? You know, blah, blah, blah. Things like that go a long, long, long way compared to just transactional conversation. Um, and, I, and I promise you that the next time you see that person, they're going to shake your hand and remember your face because you asked them about, you know, their 
Nike shoe collection because that's where your conversation was last time, even though they might be a brand representing who knows what um, somewhere in the space. So don't be afraid to get personal when it comes to relationship building with sponsors. They're not robots. <laughs> you know, people you're working right. with are not robots. And it may seem that way because there's so much data being transferred back and forth. But these, you know, the people at these companies are real people that have real interests and they want to be working with cool people. And it's much easier to build a relationship on things you know that are in your personal life than it is on, you know, things you don't know, like the YouTube algorithm, <laughs> you know, right. or things like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the more that you work with folks uh, and the more touch points that you can get, the better. Uh, you know, again, just like going back to the client thing, staying top of mind. So, um, if you have a single engagement with a brand and they just say, Hey, we, we just want one Instagram post, one YouTube video, one, whatever. Uh, and then you pitch them on something else and they say, well, you know, we don't have the budget right now. Uh, that that's fine, but don't just let that die on the vine there. Uh, follow up in three months, two months, whatever that, you know, follow up at some point, you know, going back to the follow up piece is that, uh, what I've also noticed is that, in, in that world, in the marketing world, that, that the budgets are fluid. And what you need to understand is that uh, if, you're, if you're not from business, so I'm, you know, I spent 17 years in corporate America, so I'm extremely familiar with budgeting process and how businesses work uh, from that standpoint. But basically what happens is that at the beginning of the year, you get a budget. And typically budgets are split into quarterly budgets because that's how, uh, especially if it's a public company, public companies report out on their earnings every quarter. And depending upon the quarter before that, the budget for the following quarter may change. And so that, you know, your yearly budget might stay the same, but they might shift things in or out. So just because somebody says, hey, we don't have a budget for this, um, you might talk to them the next week or, you know, vice versa. They might say, hey, we got to cut back. Um, typically, if they've allotted it, they're not going to cut you. Uh, but I have had it where, um, you know, somebody came back. It's like, hey, we had some budget free up. So just because they don't have the budget today doesn't mean that that's never going to be the, the, the case. And if you don't know when their fiscal quarter is, so not everybody's fiscal calendar. And so a fiscal calendar, basically companies can decide, you know, they don't have to say my year is January 1 to December 31st. They can say it's June 1st to May 31st. Um, they can do whatever they want. So they might not have it, but then three months from now, they might get their brand new annual budget back. So you, you got to be aware of that. And, um, and the only way you're going to be able to do that is to keep constant contact and just make sure that uh, you're, you're following up, dropping them a note. Hey, how's it going? And exactly like you said, John, it, maybe it's not, hey, how's the budget going? But hey, like, what's up? You add any new shoes to the shoe collection? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like just anything on there where you can have a, you know, have a little a little file, a little tickler where you can say, oh, it's been three months since I contacted this sponsor. I'm going to go back and talk to them. Um, and so I think those are all good things. And, you know, it just all goes back to uh, that that under promise over deliver. Um, you know, one thing just to, as, as we wrap up the sponsor part, one thing that I've started doing and John, I know we've, we've talked about this is that uh, what I used to do is I just, I'd throw the whole kitchen sink at them. I'd be like, absolutely. Man, I'll give you a blog post. You know, you're going to get a, a, a story, a post on Instagram, the Pinterest, the Facebook. And like, I'd throw out my whole offering. Whereas now what I'm more doing is like, here's this core and then I'm leaving back a few things that I can throw in as added bonuses later, whether that's part of negotiation. So whether I want X dollars and they want X minus 500 and then I go, well, OK, well, what if I add in boom, boom, boom? And then, you know, can we get there or, you know, just being able to execute on that uh, in a way where 
you have backup that you can offer if things don't go right. So, uh, you know, if you go out guns blazing and promise everything you can possibly think of, you don't have anything left to give, you know, to to make it better or to add extra value to that relationship. So that's just that's something that I've seen recently that I've started going towards is is, is backing off a bit and leaving some leeway for things like that. Yeah, I mean, if you have a small following on certain channels and stuff, there's no need to package those into places um, until they get to uh, becoming a main staple in your portfolio. Uh, but yeah, I do this doing the same thing. I've, I've seen definitely seen some benefit there too. That's a that's a great little tip and piece of advice. Um, so you know, moving out of the you know, so we've got clients, we've got sponsors, and we, and we talk about uh, we don't talk about peers a lot on this show because we're super business oriented. But um, but your peers can be a massive massive resource for all of us um, as far as it comes to relationship building. Um, and that's not specifically with that peer as much as it might be in their experience in the workplace. Um, and, and I'll give you a, for instance, I have uh, one of my, one of my best friends um, known him for 25 years or so now. And um, we grew up doing everything together and he works on wall street. So he's completely different end of the spectrum than what I do um, here is as far as like, our experiences in life, uh, Ivy league, you know, we played football together and, and we have that core belief system that was ingrained in us from growing up and life has taken us on these different avenues. And, and we make it an effort to hop on a call once a month and share experiences and expertise with each other. Um, and you know, that comes from having one, a good relationship where he respects what I'm doing and understands that I can add value in certain aspects um, from understanding things and, you know, vice versa. But, but in that, you know, make sure that you're using your friends or your peers or people around you in order to gain benefit, um, for, for certain situations. Don't be afraid to ask, um, you know, so when it comes to managing people or being in certain situations or dealing with certain situations, you know, I'll give him a call and pick his brain and see what he thinks. Um, perspective is always something that is difficult to comprehend until you, you hear about it. And I think sharing expertise and experience with the people that are in your close circle can be a great way of building relationships with people outside that circle. Um, just because other people have different experiences than we do. And I know Brad and I do it all the time. Um, you know, gauging certain situations and stuff. And we've both grown a ton just from listening to each other's experiences, right? Yeah. And, and I like that too, John. I don't do that nearly enough, but I think, um, you know, peers are not just peers in what you're doing, but also outside of what you're doing in personal friends. Um, because what they, what they have is um, they have a clear vision, right? They have that, those fresh eyes, and you hear that a lot, like when somebody comes in looking at something with fresh eyes, they don't have any of the any of the baggage and things that that you are kind of already accustomed to. So they're like, well, why? Why are you doing that? Like they might ask you. Yeah. So, so why do you spend so much time on tags in the YouTube? Like what what what's the deal with that? And you're like, I did because I'm supposed to like that. You know, like they, they can challenge the status quo yep. more and ask more of the obvious questions that are not obvious to you because you're so deep into it. So I, I really do like that idea. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, great example. I, I was, uh, you know, we all talk. We talk about the <laughs> Instagram algorithm a lot, probably more than we should because um, it's completely <laughs> out of our control. But, you know, I was just having a casual conversation with two of my close friends and I said something like, oh, dude, they're like, oh, my God, you're almost at 100,000. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting crushed, though, right now. And they're like. Have you thought about not posting so much ridiculous stuff that you're doing? And I'm like, well, that's just on my story. But that perspective put in my mind is like, oh, maybe I'm doing some too many things off the wall or rocker. But whatever it is, 
is that perspective is something that is, you know, Brad and I talk about it and we're looking at, we're looking at data. We're looking at time of day. We're looking at how how often I'm posting. We're looking at the quality of the, like we're looking at so many different things instead of just like the outside of somebody else's perspective. So think of things that way too, is that perspective in, in that right, in that light can, uh, can change the way you're able to conceive things too. Yeah, that, that, and that's actually a really, we haven't had that conversation before, John, but that, I mean, that makes so much sense. Like, I think that as you and like, honestly, as you just said that, like, I don't, I don't think about, I think as those of two separate things for some reason, like yeah. the story and the the feed. But if somebody's digesting that, that like, they're like, oh, this is just John or this is Brad. And like, this is what I see in his feed. And this is what I see in a story. And it's the, that's one thing, but you're right. That's actually really weird. I think of those as just like two completely separate channels almost completely separate. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So there you go. I mean, that's what people can outside of there can offer you. But obviously uh, where you're going to probably get the most value for your business is with peers that are in it, that are in the trenches with you. And that's that's kind of the whole onus for for how Made for Profit got started, obviously. Uh, you know, John reached out to me on Instagram and um kept hounding me until I, I finally responded to him. So he, and, until he grew a beard and broke down. <laughs> That's right. And uh, and because I was like, man, this like this dude's asking like and, and adding value. And he's asking some like great questions that at the time I wasn't having a lot of those conversations with people in the space. And so I was like, this is great. Like it's it's great to have a, a conversation around specific topics of Instagram growth or YouTube or in, in general, you know, how are you monetizing the business aspect? And so that's where that relationship started developing. And then, um, you know, John and I, as you guys obviously all know, uh, have very different perspectives. And so that's why we make such a good team because, uh, I look at things from a very analytical business oriented mind. Uh, John looks at it from the ground and pound, and like, how do I get stuff done as quickly as possible and from a business perspective? So, you know, merging those two together, we we are a really good steel on steel sharpening each other. And so finding, you know, who is who is that person for you? And I think uh, I don't know if you saw I tagged you in the, the Gary V. Uh, Gary called it. Who's your who's your tag team partner? He had yeah. like a in his uh, in his feed recently. And he had like, you know, this this little graphic of, of him and like holding up the shadow with like holding up a mark. tag team. Yeah. With like a tag team championship belt, you know, like who's your tag team partner, like for wrestling. Uh, and I think that's really a great thing is like, you know, you should, you should have it. It's great to have somebody who's like that go-to person, mm-hmm. that go-to person. So who's that one person is like, when you get a problem, that's the first person you reach out to. But at the same time, you know, as that expands out, you want that second level too. So, you know, for me, it's John and John is like, you know, we talk about stuff that's like way down in nitty gritty, like super, super nitty gritty details of thumbnails. Like I, I'm not going to be sending people like, Hey, do you think like, uh, should I capitalize this word and not that one? Or, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's the level that we're on. Whereas I might talk with another peer about something, uh, you know, a bit broader, uh, about, about total plan, uh, things or like, Hey, well, you know, what do you think about this idea as far as going with the channel and, do you think it'd be better to to do a, uh, a five tips on this or an actual build on this? And, you know, what's your experience? Because I've seen you do similar things. Yeah. And I think what's great is this community is super accepting of that. Um, as most of us continue to engage and grow within 
uh, the maker community, uh, it was specifically, um, you're able to find like-minded individuals and people that you become friends with and you build relationships. All this takes is uh, all this concept that Brad and I are speaking of takes is that next step of setting an agenda to perhaps a lunch or a phone call or something that you're already doing and then just putting a title on it for that moment. Um, say, you know, Hey, do you want to hop on a call and talk about, you know, your, your, your customer relationship, your CRM or your, your product management software or something. Um, I'd love to pick your brain and like, boom, that just went from, uh, you know, just being casual friends to now you have a directive, um, in, in your relationship or in that conversation. Um, and just when you do this, make sure you're bringing value to the table as well. Don't just always go out there and ask. Um, as listeners, you guys probably know that that's a huge pet peeve of mine, um, is that you get so many people just asking and asking and asking and asking. And, um, you know, I want to give as much as possible, but it's so hard when you get spread thin. Um, you know, I typically can't, but if someone's bringing something to the table first, um, you know, I'm always going to be able to take that extra second to look and consider and be like, wow, they just dropped everything they were doing in order to do this for me. Like, that's amazing. You know, yeah, I'll answer your question. Uh, you know, and, and we, you, you try really hard to get it all done. Um, but those situations, when you're bringing something to the table, you're always going to be, um, held in a more favorable regard. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, uh, I, I like to coach anyone up on. If you're going into any type of relationship is make sure you're bringing something to the table. So if you're going to, you know, call up one of your Instagram buddies and say, Hey, you want to hop on a Skype call and talk about, you know, X, make sure that you bring something to the table for them and be like, you know, I've learned this and that over the past couple months. Um, I think it could help you a ton. Um, and you, you'll be blown away by how many friends and how many relationships that are in this like value added peer, I guess, tier, um, of relationships, uh, that you can add and like immediately that you already know, you know, a lot of us keep this like, glass wall when it comes to friendship and business uh, between us. But if you can break down that barrier and show that there's value going around to everybody, man, can you gain a lot from it? Right? Yeah, and, and absolutely. And Brad and I have been hitting like the, I guess the event circuit for the past like 18 months to two years, pretty hard. And man, do we get a lot of value when we get together with the community more. Oh, right? Yeah. Well, it's amazing. I think that the, the cool thing is, is that um, everybody does business a little differently. And everybody has different expertise and things that they're really good at. And I mean, so like going back to WorkbenchCon, that's a great example. And if you think about it like this, in WorkbenchCon, we had whatever, over a, a dozen speakers and every speaker was talking on a different subject. And that's because that's their area of expertise. So when you're talking the same thing, like you could you could just blow that out to any group of people, any group of people, each one of those people has their own area of expertise whether it's design, creativity, editing, SEO, social media, whatever it is that everybody, you know, you could go, you could go look back at all the topics that we've talked about on Made for Profit. And there's somebody that is crushing it in each one of those topics, right? More than you are. And they're, for each one of those people, they, uh, you know, that's their high point. And in another topic, somebody else is crushing it. So when those two people get together, so somebody that's just really killing YouTube and somebody that's really killing Instagram get together and be like, dude, how are you doing this on YouTube? He's like, I don't know. How are you doing this on Instagram? And boom, all of a sudden you start sharing the ideas. Uh, and that's that's where the beauty comes is it's that two-way street. And and I think that is the really cool thing about business in general. And whether that's you know content creation or product is that um, almost anybody you meet up with, you know, you 
if you kind of if if you look at, go back to the old trading card, you know, the playing cards, like, uh, and you look at like people's stats going to the the athletic analogy, and it's like, okay, he, you know, the combine. Here's their forty time. Here's their vertical. You know, here's their leap. Here's their dash. And it's like, okay, like when you stack anybody up that they've got pros and cons, or they've got strengths and weaknesses, and almost any two people can find ways to to build each other up because one person's got a, a higher strength in one area than the other person does and vice versa. So, uh, you know, I would highly recommend just to, to sit down and just go through those things. Like, and like John said, if you're going to meet with somebody, go look at their feed, go look at their channels and like, see where you think they're winning and, and then come with those questions because that's the other thing is that they might not know. I've also seen a lot of that, John is like, you know, people, they're just like, Oh, I, that's just how I do it, especially creative people. Like if you see somebody that does really good thumbnails, like they might not that it's just kind of ingrained in what they do. Mm-hmm. Like in their mind, they're, they're not going to come out and be like, oh, yeah, here's how you can crush it with thumbnails. But you can be like, hey, like, how do you like, where do you go in that? Like when we were talking to Jen as a perfect Jen Woodhouse and talking about how she crushes photography, I think, you know, talking to her and she it, it took her a minute because she was like, well, you know, that's just kind of like what I do. But then as she started going through it, she started giving us some of those tips and techniques. So the same thing is that, uh, you know, some of those people aren't going to come forward with it because it's just like what, you know, if you're if you see someone that does a really good finish on their tables and you want to talk to them, like, dude, how, how do you get that finish? It's like, oh, that's just the way I do it. You know, I just put on four coats of pre-cat <laughs> lacquer and I just run with it. It's like, OK, well, like, OK, let's break that down. Like what, what spray are you using? How are you putting that on? What's your finishing technique? Uh, you know, I think that the, a lot of people. Uh, especially people who are, you know, a little bit more humble is that they don't think that they're an expert in the field, but really you don't have to be an expert to be able to share knowledge. You just have to know more than the next person. Yes. And uh, if you bring something to the table like that, you know, Hey, help me out. Uh, I wanted to get better at finishing. I really admire your work. Um, You know, yada, yada. I see that uh, you've been on Instagram for a while now. I got some tips that have helped me grow. If you want to, if you ever want to chat, like, boom, right there, you can create a value added relationship with somebody you've never even spoke to before. And who knows where that could grow in the future? Um, You know, and and with that, even if you uh, and so and I guess in a similar context, uh, I guess the next topic would kind of be the, the pay it forward or, um, you know, try to, if, if you can't add value in the moment, add value down the line kind of concept. Um, and what happens to us a ton is, you know, someone will just give you a call up and you'll end up in this conversation where you coach them through something for an hour uh, and, and you don't even realize it or vice versa. And then you're at the end, like, what can I do for you? And there's nothing in that moment. But down the line, you're like, you know, oh, this sponsor I couldn't work with or, you know, a client came to my door and I couldn't do it. And they want chairs and I'll make chairs, whatever it might be. And you send them their way, um, you know, that's kind of paying it forward. And that makes that relationship worth it in that in that moment. Um, and and that's definitely something you want to keep in mind as you continue to grow. You know, sh- the the what is it? The ship. Uh, all, all ships, ships rise. rise yeah. All tide. ships rise and fall with the with the tide. And, and all of us are in this together. If you can build up the people around you, you're going to rise to the top with them. Um, and that's something that, uh, you know, I've been always um, tried to. Uh, ingrain ingrain in the people around me personally because I I've always been in athletics. Um, if you can you know you see so you have a better work ethic than somebody and if you can uh, push that onto them um, and they become better, your team becomes better and everyone gets better kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so paying it forward uh, down the line can also be a great way to add value to a relationship if you can't do it in the moment. Yeah, and it was funny like this this last week um, 
it was a perfect example of that. I had a, a sponsor call me and uh, was asking me for a specific thing, you know, a specific product. And it was just not a fit with me at all uh, for, for space limitations. And I was like, I, I just, I, I can't physically have this, this product in my shop or my house. Like it just, it just doesn't work. And they're like, okay, well, like, you know, do you know anybody else? Uh, and, you know, immediately I'm like, yes, yes, I do actually. And so I gave him the person's uh, information and made the introduction. And then like it literally, and, you know, I, I, w- I will attribute it to because that happened. I think I was top of mind. Literally the next day, that person flipped a sponsor to me. And and so it's interesting. You know, it was, and I didn't do that to I wasn't doing it to be like, oh, I hope that they'll give me something, you know, later. Um, I was doing it because I was like, well, hey, like if if I'm not going to win on this and this is not a fit for me, like, well, let's get somebody else to win and let's keep them in the in the DIY space and, you know, introduce them to to really great creators uh, and like I said, it like it just so happened literally the very next day I got a call back uh, from that person. And they were like, oh, like, hey, I just flipped your name over like it, this didn't work for me because I'm, you know, because I don't need this product. Uh, but I know that, that you have something similar that I thought it might work for you. And it was like, OK, like <laughs> that's just like <laughs> the epitome of how of how working together and just, you know, keeping it in there. Like if you have somebody, don't just turn somebody down if it's not a fit for you. Think about that in that, you know, as I think about it, I should have led in with like, you know, that's not a great fit for me, but here's somebody who you might want to check out. Um, thankfully, that that person asked me and but it was just a great reminder. And so now it's like that's in the front of my mind more of like if something's not a fit where where can I push them to, you know, or and this is a, a great thing. <clears throat> excuse me. And I'm actually literally just thinking about it, John. But um, if somebody comes and, and their and their budget is much below what I you know, can take work for refer them down to somebody, uh, you know, who's got a smaller audience who would love to have that opportunity, but you know, but that maybe it's, it's below the rates that I can justify for doing it at, at this point. But for somebody starting out, it would be a huge home run. Yeah. And, and so there's a ton of ways to use the, uh, the pay forward and the referral concept uh, to your advantage. What, I mean, if you start referring a lot of good people to a brand and you're maybe not adding value to them immediately, when you're capable of adding value to them, they're going to remember all the people that you brought to the table um, and that you're the kind of the interconnecting web for them. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this, this whole concept of, uh, of relationship building is something that can it can like, truly change your mindset. It can change your business. It can change your life. Um, there's tons of great resources out there. I know Gary Vee is a huge fan of um, the thank you concept. He has a book called Thank You Economy. Um, I've, I've listened to webinars and podcasts on just solely gift giving. Um, and so this this whole idea of relationship building across you know your, your peers, um, if you're working with in the digital space or with physical clients, um, it can truly be a game changer for anybody. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just I mean, I think the the podcast is such a great example of this because not only because of just you and I, John, but seeing the, um, you know, the, the Facebook group and the patrons starting to interact and we're starting to see people who um, are coming together because of a of a similar interest in, you know, the content that we talk about on Made for Profit. Like, it's just like we can see it all around us, like as these people get into the Facebook groups and get into the conversations, you know, in the Instagram comments and whatever, like they're starting to be like, oh, like you're you're in the in the business, like you're trying to sell product as well. And I'm seeing these little these little groups of people form 
um, you know, through made for profit, which is amazing. Uh, and then, you know, through WorkbenchCon, obviously, and, and, you know, like we've, we've allowed, we've, ha- we have a common interest where people can do that and which is just so awesome. But, uh, being able to, to see people grow together, I mean, I think that's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, like we said in the beginning of the show, surround yourself with, with people who are going to help you win. And whether that's a sponsor, a client or, or a peer, I think all those are, are awesome spots. So, Thank you so much, guys, for tuning into the show. Make sure you're checking out all the links. Uh, we definitely have the links for the the meetup. Um, you know, not a ton of, of links that we talked about in this specific show, but there are show notes over there at mayforprofit.com forward slash episode 47. You know, leave a comment. We're trying to get some more comments over there. Uh, it's a great space or on the Facebook group as well. Yeah, make sure you're following us on Instagram, too. We do a lot of interaction there. We're getting a ton of great feedback on a lot of the stuff that's happening. Um, and you can keep up with what we're doing on the daily. And we'd love to see more of your questions questions, and uh, engaging with the tribe. That's one great thing we're loving about the Instagram community is that we're seeing so many friendships build within the Made for Profit tribe. Uh, make sure you're heading on over there and checking that out, too. Absolutely. And right now, we're going to head on over to the after show and uh, hang out with our patrons. So... Let's go over there and crush it, John. Let's do it.